To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this 20th Sunday after Pentecost actually are excerpts from all four of the designated readings for this day, from Habakkuk chapter 1 and 2, from Psalm 62, from 2 Timothy, from Luke chapter 17, from Habakkuk, the righteous will live by his faith, from Psalm 62, my soul finds rest in God alone, my salvation comes from him. 2 Timothy, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. And finally, from Luke 17, the apostle said to Lord, to the Lord, increase our faith. In the name of our beloved dear Lord Jesus, through whom alone there is eternal life, my beloved. You're not exempt, I'm not exempt, no one is exempt from the problems of life. Ever since the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we are living in a broken and a fallen world where the results of sin surround us every day. Maybe you're experiencing some of them right at this very moment. They come in all shapes and sizes, health issues, financial difficulties, job-related problems, family problems, crime in the community, and that's just the short list. And if you ever think that you're the only one who has problems, be assured that you're not. All of the people addressed in the four readings for this morning, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, had problems. Habakkuk looked around at his country, and he saw that the wicked were winning. He saw violence, injustice, strife, conflict. He said, wicked hem in righteousness so that justice is perverted. Oh, 2016. At the time that the King David was writing Psalm 62, he was out there in the bush running from his own son Absalom, who was rebelling against his kingdom. Second Timothy, St. Paul is writing to a young pastor who was trying to handle a congregation experiencing great conflict, and he couldn't straighten things out. And finally, the disciples in Luke chapter 17 recognized that church work was going to be really pretty difficult, and they didn't know if they could muster up enough faith, and so they said, Lord, increase our faith. All these godly people, all suffering frustration from life's difficulties, and in each one of these readings, God gives them the very same answer in that little five-letter word, faith. 
That's God's answer. And that's the subject of our message for this morning. Now, I suppose we could spend a little time this morning defining what faith is. That faith is trust in God. That faith is loving God. That faith comes to us only through God's Word and the sacraments and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our heart. But I think that you know that all already. This morning, I want to go right down to the bottom line and cut right to the chase, right to the heart of the issue, and say what faith really is in our everyday lives. Faith is recognizing who's really in control. There mo- I believe there's so much frustration, anxiety, depression, and even desperation in our world because we want things to be under control. And we want to be in control. And we want to think that we can control all things if we could just get the right pill or the right doctor or the right accountant or the right attorney or the right consultant or the right politician. Frustration and anxiety comes from thinking that we can be in control. And did you ever really think about exactly how much is really under your control? You've heard me say it before. The past is out of your control because it's past, right? And all the things of the future yet to come today and tomorrow and the next day, they're all out of your control because they're out there in the future. But so we say, oh, yeah, but we have the present in our control. Until you recognize that you know what the present is, it only is a millisecond. And as soon as you say now, it's past. So when it comes right down to it, there are very few things that are really in our control. I thought that I uh, finally reached a level of maturity one day to try to get rid of my uh, frustration and anxiety by simply admitting that everything is out of control all the time. But you know that's not true. In reality, faith is the answer. When you finally recognize who's in control, that brings peace and relief. God told Habakkuk, You want relief from injustice, violence, strife? And these are his words, God speaks. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. God was telling Habakkuk, hang on, you're going to be okay because I'm in control. And God did come along and knock out unbelief and injustice and strife by the way of a huge heathen nation to the east. And later on, God also wiped out that heathen nation too. David out there in the bush was putting his faith in his God. And finally, Absalom's rebellion was put down. Timothy. The the, uh, young pastor who was suffering from that congregational conflict, God made that dysfunctional congregation faithful again. 
And those timid disciples who said, Lord, please increase our faith, God sent the Holy Spirit to them on Pentecost to change them into fearless missionaries who went out and changed the whole world. God is always in control. And when the world once upon a time was bent on redefining redefining morality, God said, enough is enough. Noah built an ark. And he covered the whole globe up with water. Now we're going to start over and do things my way. No sooner had things started over, but no, there was the Tower of Babel. And the people said, oh, even though God wants us to spread around and repopulate the earth, we're just going to stay right here and build a monument unto ourselves. God said, wait a minute, I'm I'm still in control. And so he changed all their languages and they couldn't understand one another. So they spread and scattered and repopulated the earth. To that Egyptian nation that had kept God's people in slavery for 400 years and resisted all of God's requests through Moses when he said, let my people go. God sent 10 plagues. And all of a sudden, a million and a half half people just walked out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery. And you know the story too, when a puny shepherd boy by the name of David confronted a nine-foot armored giant, God took control, and with one little smooth stone from a slingshot, he took Goliath out. And after 400 years of silence, when no prophet spoke, and everyone was feeling so very hopeless, God took control once again, and a virgin conceived and bore a son and laid him in a manger. And when Roman, a Roman garrison sealed a grave and posted a garrison, God took control and flung that stone aside. An angelic messenger said, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was dead. He's not dead. He's alive. He's among the living. He has risen just as he said. You see, God is in control. Always has been, always is, always will be. And the nicest thing about it is that the one in control is not a stranger. He's your father. He's your heavenly father. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. We're family. And God doesn't desert family. You know what God is really telling us today? He's saying, I know you. I know you by name. You are mine. I know these are hard times for you. But you're going to make it because I'm going to pull you through. You can trust me. And so it's time to define faith perhaps just a little bit more. Faith is like that tightrope walker, 300 feet up uh, above the ground with no net. And he shouted down to the people and he says, who believes that I can walk the tightrope? And they all shouted up, we believe. 
And then the tightrope walker said, but who believes that I can ride a bicycle out on the tightrope? And they all shouted up, we believe. And he rode the bicycle. And he said, but now who believes that I can ride a bicycle with a chair tied to my back? And they all said, we believe. And he did it. And then he asked the crowd, now, who will sit in the chair? And all of a sudden, it was quiet. It's time to sit in the chair because he won't let you fall. When I was a kid, I had a little bit of a problem. Maybe you know how I remember back to your time when you were a kid, you know, and you're really tired, you know, it was dark outside and you're driving in the car. I could never fall asleep if a relative or a stranger were driving the car, but if my dad were driving, then I could fall fast asleep because I recognized he never had any accidents. Fall asleep in peace every night, knowing that your Lord God is in the driver's seat. Remember Abraham of the Old Testament and how God tested his faith by asking him to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac? Remember how God tested Job's faith with all those health issues and many deaths in his family? Some of us uh, want to say, you know why God was testing Abraham? You know why God was testing Job? Because he wanted to find out how strong their faith was. Wrong! God knows everything. He already knew about Abraham's faith. He already knew about Job's faith. But Abraham needed to know. And Job needed to know. And sometimes we don't know how strong our faith is until it's tested. And even if it's weak, God is gracious. He takes control to one of his very own disciples who had difficulty with faith. Jesus said, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. And then John goes on in his gospel. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, after all is said and done, you're going to make it. He's in control. And he'll be with you all the way. And all the way home. God grant it for Jesus' sake, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, 
God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs> 